Hello Passport People listeners, Finn here, and I just wanted to take a moment to tell you that Island Life Productions is now on Patreon. Patreon is an online subscription service that allows you to support our work for as little as £2 per month in exchange for different bits of bonus content. So far, we have been uploading special Passport People travel vlogs, Tales of Andalusia, and The Highland Fling, taking you on personalised video adventures to some of the most beautiful parts of the world. We've also been uploading special behind-the-scenes content from our recent fiction podcast, Welcome to the Quids Inn, with special videos showcasing how we made the series, and a bonus bloopers podcast with all the funny bits from the recordings that weren't in our initial script. To join the island and begin supporting our work for less than the price of a coffee per month, go to patreon.com slash islandlifeproductions today. And now, on with the show. I listened to the one about Liverpool, which was like the first ever one, I think. Uh-huh, yeah. And? Uh, loved it. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. I listened to the Valentine's Day special and then uh, Vicky in Australia. Yeah, oh my goodness, you've gotten the full gamut of uh, time periods as well. Yeah. You've got like beginning, end. middle, end. <laughs> mm. Well, not the end, not the end. Because this is um. now the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to end it, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Salutations and welcome to Passport People, the podcast where we talk to people about the places that matter to them. I, as always, am your host, Finn, and today I am joined by the wonderful, the amazing, the awesome Indra. How are you, Indra? I'm good. I'm good. I'm slightly under the weather at the minute, um, but yeah, no. Slightly under the weather. You're surviving COVID, Indra. (laughs) Yeah, well, I wanted to play it down a little bit. Um, but I'm really excited to be on the podcast, and I, I've done tons of research um, about my selected place, so that was also really lovely. I'm just so, saying. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm just saying, future passport people guests, note this. Note this is the level of commitment to this podcast, and note that this is exactly what we're expecting from everybody. Don't don't get sick on purpose. But if you feel like you've just got a little sniffle, keep in mind someone came onto this podcast while they had COVID. So keep that in mind, everybody. Um, Indra, tell us about you. Yes. So um, as Finn said, I uh, my name is Indra. Um, I'm a researcher, a fish maker, and facilitator. Um, yeah, and my artistic practice basically combining social justice, activism, and performance art and theatre. I frequently work with marginalised communities, and um, I normally go into those communities with the aim of building human connection with the rest of society and trying to make active change on any scale to create awareness of the issues that that community faces. So, yeah. That's such an organised answer to that question. I need to take notes from you on how to make my answer to that question seem more organised. I've practised many times when every <laughs> family member says, but what do you do? <laughs> That's my answer. <laughs> um, Indra, where are you from? 
So I am from Preston, Lancashire. Um, although I grew up, um, so I was born in a place called Garstang and I've moved quite a lot around the whole of Lancashire. Um, but I would say that my, the place I'm rooted is Preston. Amazing. And given that history, where are we talking about today? So we are going to talk about Preston, but I'm sure within that I'm going to reference the whole of Lancashire. Um, yeah, and just talk a bit more about the northwest of England. First things first, for um, the many people listening from all around the world who uh, are not versed on Northern English geography, where exactly is Lancashire? You kind of said the northwest of England. Is that is it just kind of that whole corner up there? Yeah, so it's the northwest of England. It's very close to Manchester and Yorkshire. Um, I always feel like people have to pass... Um, Lancashire if you're going from the London to Glasgow train. Um, that's my reference point for most people. You've probably gone through Lancashire without <laughs> realising. <laughs> Lancashire has been around you, but you haven't been around Lancashire. <laughs> yeah, you don't know Lancashire, but Lancashire knows you. <laughs> oh, God. That's so terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Lancashire knows your history. <laughs> Lancashire knows how you sleep at night. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we are a little bit scary. <laughs> it's kind of everything that's kind of between the Lake District, Yorkshire and Manchester, I guess. Yeah. Is that kind of the best yeah. way of describing it? <laughs> no, totally. Um, and what's so cool about Lancashire is You've got tons of big cities so close together. Like, if I wanted to go to Liverpool, it would take me 20 minutes on the train. Um, same with Manchester. Um, so, yeah, it's like a central hub, I guess. See, that's interesting, because I've always thought this about the north of England from my limited experiences going to a lot of football in that part of the world. Um, but it's always seemed to me like, like when I talk to people about Edinburgh, I have to explain to people that it's when you live in Edinburgh, it's not just living in Edinburgh. It's the fact that you are on the train for 45 minutes and you've also got Glasgow and everything in the central belt kind of right there. And I've always found being in that kind of belt from Liverpool all the way along to like Doncaster, that if you're like vaguely in that neck of the woods, you kind of get that kind of it's almost like a necklace of all those cities along that uh isn't it the M62 that does yeah. all that covers all those roads? It's something like that. The M6, the M62. Something um, like that. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's really really funny that um, like I would go to college, and I would have people in my class from Blackburn, Burnley, Bolton. Although I'm pretty sure Bolton's not in Lancashire. Um, <laughs> But it was just like, you know, you wouldn't ever go to college or high school and just have people from Preston. It, you would get everyone from every different part because it was so close together. 
And when you when you're in a community like that, does it feel like everyone is very similar because everyone kind of relates to being a person from Lancashire, or is it is other kind of cultural identities of places like Blackburn and Burnley kind of so separate that it almost feels like it's kind of you know multiple gangs going to war in the same place? Um, it's funny you say that. I, my personal experience was that it was so different. Um, Of course, now, like, now I live in Glasgow and have done for five years. If someone says, oh, yeah, I'm from near Manchester, I automatically have claimed them as my own. (laughs) (laughs) Um, People bond over that fact, whether, um, you know, whether they're actually from Lancashire or near Manchester, it does not matter. It's close enough. Um, but growing up um, in Lancashire, every city had a totally different culture, which was incredible to grow up in. Um, and I, for this podcast, I like did a quick Google on um, Preston and Lancashire, and apparently it has massive Catholic, Roman Catholic, Christian history. But that is not the cultural norm that I grew up in. Um, <laughs> We had um, a massive Buddhist community, Hindu community, uh, Jehovah's Witness, uh, Muslim, Jewish, Sikh. And um, there was something really interesting about history classes in high school and and RE, for example, religious studies, Um, because a lot of those classes was the teacher trying to teach us this um, curriculum and yet the whole of the pupils also teaching each other um, of like, no, that's that's not what um, Sikhism is. I can tell you. <laughs> uh, and there was something really, you know, wonderful in that. Um, and yeah, and, and I see that as a massive, massive privilege to grow up being surrounded by so many different cultures, because I definitely remember at a very young age, knowing like in history classes, would learn a lot about the British Empire. And we would have a lot of um, students within those classes who could actively challenge um, the greatness that we were being taught and told. Um, So from a very young age, I was aware that Britain didn't have that good of an influence on many countries. And I think that that was like a very interesting... um, I realised that most people don't grow up with that like, oh, I don't know if Britain's history is is good. Um, Is that a bit of a tangent? I'm not sure. No, no, it's interesting. And one of the questions I've written down is how easy is it to be different in a community like that? And I guess that's really interesting to me because I guess from the outset, you look at what's going on with uh, Brexit and, and what's happened and the way that a lot of people voted in that part of the country you look at the fact that a lot of these areas are majority white, and I guess there's a natural assumption to somebody looking in from the outside that it's probably quite difficult to be from a different place, that you you really are this kind of small fish in a really, really big pond where you really are the kind of weird, different fish. But actually from that sort of... those sort of stories, you kind of are painting the picture that actually certainly from a school setting there is a lot more sort of dialogue both ways that provides a sort of 
more well-rounded learning environment? I don't know. Am I reading too much into that? No, I, I definitely think that, um, yeah, like 100%. And I think it's interesting because there's definitely um, a history of Lancashire and Preston being a divided community. And with all of these different communities located in one place, there is a very um, sectioned off um, feeling about it. But I also think that um, my generation was quite a big generation to challenge that. Um, so I'm sure if you were talking to my mom, who was born and raised in Preston, Lancashire, she has a very different um, idea of, and she would give a massively different answer of, you know, is there a shared culture or is there individuality within these communities? Well, I think because of the generation that I am, um, there was a total different sense of of community. And for sure, when so when Brexit happened, I was in college and I did feel immensely embarrassed to to be from Preston because of how we voted. Um, I was I'm very left leaning. And I was just in absolute confusion of why we'd vote that way with our history being so socialist and um, Preston having a massive tie to, you know, we riot a lot in history, Preston. (laughs) (laughs) That's the motto for when you enter the city, Preston, we riot a lot. (laughs) They do riot a lot, though. (laughs) Um, But I think within that, it comes from... um, it's a very small city and um, I definitely grew up with a sense of why would you lock your doors? Um, You know, if your neighbor needed to pop round, if you've locked your doors, they can't do that. Um, And there is a massive sense of community within Preston. So I think the riots more show that like, you know, we have a history of if something's not good enough, we all come together. so Brexit just did not make sense of our cultural history. But now I'm I'm at a place where I can understand um, you know, why why a community felt the need to vote like that, even if I would not vote that way myself. Um but yeah. You mentioned how your mum's answer to that question you think would probably have been different from her experience. What do you think it is that changed between the experiences that your mum had in that environment and the experiences that you had? Um, that's a really good question. And one I wished I'd asked my mum more about. I think there's... Um, I think there's definitely a thing of my gut response is to say that there is more opportunities and funding now to um, to support communities. Um, and I, you know, I definitely think there should be more funding and more opportunities. But um, for example, we now have the Harris Museum and we now have quite a big, um, outreach part of that um, museum, which is really dedicated to getting art and, um, you know, what we even see as art and and different types of art into the community. Um, Whilst 
I think if I said to my mum when she was younger, oh, there's going to be an art project um, where loads of different children in the community can join. Do you want to be part of it? I think she would be like, what? (laughs) What are you on about? Well, when I grew up, there was a sense of, um, I think also the university is, um, so we have UPLAN, which is the University of Central uh, Lancashire. And um, when I was growing up, there in Preston there was a massive student-led society as well which was very new and um, it meant that I saw people with dyed hair and I hadn't seen that before Um, I'd seen people who were self-expressing in a very different way than what I was used to which made me you know really open my eyes to like oh wow people you know, people have a different way of expressing. And, and yeah, and I think it's so important to have um, a student-led community. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm curious to go a little bit deeper into that because as we've, as we've had sort of separate conversations on this, when you left Preston and you came to university, you, you felt like you were quite a different person than the person that you are now. And that's that's why in hearing that about the university, it's really interesting to hear that new people coming in meant new ideas, new experiences, new realities. What do you think it was about sort of leaving that environment that you grew up in in Lancashire and coming into a new environment that allowed you to feel more comfortable about expressing yourself in maybe ways you didn't before? Yeah, that's also a really good question. Um, yeah, so just for context, I grew up in um, quite a working class society, although I did not realise that until I was at drama school. <laughs> um, there was definitely a few moments. So I, yeah, I moved to Glasgow to do, um, to study at drama school, and we had classes in um cultural understanding, uh, which basically was like classes discussing feminism and the class system and ableism and race and, and um, all, all really important things to unpack. And um, yeah, we had a, a class on the class system and I had a moment of being like, wait a second, not only am I working class, I'm really working class. <laughs> Like, you to let me know about this. Um, and I remember, like, after that class, ringing my mum and being like, Mum, did you know we were working class? Like, what are you on about? <laughs> um, but, oh, yeah, God. It caught me by absolute surprise that some of my um, experiences growing up weren't universal. Um, but, Yes. So when I when I was in Preston, um, I had a real. If you'd asked me what I wanted to be, I would have said um, a, a mum. I think, and um, I still don't have any. You know, I I don't shame my younger self for having that as, as a big dream in my life. But I think it's because I totally couldn't see anything past the gender roles that I was 
seen be displayed. Like university would not have been in my hopes and dreams because I wasn't seeing it. Um, so I would never have imagined going to university, especially not drama school. And then I had a really great drama teacher who was like, you should go to this school, you should audition for this. Um, and yeah, there was definitely, when I got to university, um, you know, I studied with people from Denmark, Sweden, Portugal, France, Germany. And I was so embarrassed to be like Preston, Lancashire. <laughs> um, but now I have a real sense of pride to be from that community. And um, I totally understand, you know, from, from growing up in Preston, how I've got into community arts, especially, and um, how I've got this, this um, drive to make change in society. Um, so now there's no embarrassment. There's, there's only pride. Um, but yes, did that answer your question? Absolutely. And what I what I want to zoom back in on is you mentioned earlier the sort of the idea that an arts telling your mum about a community arts project would kind of make her go, what are you talking about? But now, obviously, the times have changed. Your career has also developed a little bit. And in your practice, and in terms of the things that you've seen and the things you, you experience as part of your work and what you know the arts can do, what do you think the arts can do to affect communities like the ones that you've been talking about in Lancashire? I personally think, I mean, there's so much the arts can do. And um, I often get um, a, a little bit emotional talking about what the arts can do for Preston, because I think there should be more of a drive to get the arts into the northwest of England. Um, but... I think for me, the arts made me see um, a, a bigger future. It made me, it gave me a space to unpack who I was and unpack who I wanted to be and, and how could I actually achieve that. And I think um, it offers so much space for dialogue and to have difficult conversations, um, which right now, really needs to happen um and I think as well it offers space for fun um as much as I've talked very positively about Preston there are a lot of you know it, it was um called Lancashire was the most dangerous place to live in the UK for a really long time and I think what the arts can do for most young people is just make you forget that and have fun um, and I think it can, and that sometimes feels like a really small thing, but it's actually massive when you are growing up and, and seeing a lot of poverty and, and crime and, um, and it becomes your everydayness. Just having a drama class or a music class where you have a laugh and you are allowed to be a young person is so important. Um, and I think, yeah, whenever... Whenever people say, why should we fund community arts? It's that. And it sounds so simple, but it can do such a massive difference. So, yes. Yeah, I mean, we have, we have this conversation all the time, don't we? That as, as human beings, we all just want to feel like we matter. And if by getting on stage and performing a monologue or making a piece of music or knitting a quilt, you can feel like you've done something of value, well... 
of course that's going to have a, a positive effect. Of course that's going to make you go, oh, yeah, I am special. I can do this thing. And this thing that I've created is something that nobody else could have done, that it was only me that could have put this together because that's what art is. It's, it's unique to, to all of us as, as humans. Massively. And I think it offers also a different way of learning. Um, I was not very good at school and had a lot of pent-up anger about, you know, oh, I'm obviously not that bright. Got into drama class and it's such a different way of learning, but you're learning and you're developing a skill. And it's just, for me, was so much more accessible than anything I've ever done before. So I think it also is like a, a different approach, but so vital and should not be forgotten in, in any, yeah, in any board of education or anything like that. Murray, Lauren, Thomas, Ishao, and we've just been hired as receptionists at Edinburgh Newington Quids Inn, Britain's premier chain of budget hotels. So if you want to hear about what we've been up to, or you're bored, or you've heard that podcasts are cool and wanted to seem trendy, search for Welcome to the Quids Inn on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Right, everybody, back to work. address the rose-shaped elephant in the room because when most English people think of Lancashire, as is the case when most English people think of Yorkshire, a lot of the time they'll associate it with the roses. Um, what is slash was the War of the Roses and why is it still something that people make a big deal about today? Yeah, totally. So the War of the Roses were a series of really bloody civil wars. Um, for the throne of England. And it was between two competing royal families. So you had the House of York and the House of Lancaster. Um, it, so the war went on, the wars even, went on between uh, 1455 and 1485. Um, and basically why it's called the War of the Roses is because uh, the white rose is the badge of the York family, and the red rose is the badge of the um, Lancastrians, as they're called. Um, it's one of the most important conflicts of English history. Um, and it also tells this, like, incredible story of, like, a king who fell from grace, um, two families torn apart. Um, yeah, it also was, like the birthplace of the most powerful um, English kings. But the reason why it's so complex, the War of the Roses, is because um, both families had the legal right to the English throne because they both descended from King Edward III because um, King Edward um, made it very complicated with his hobbies. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, <laughs> yeah, definitely confused it for everyone. Um, but it was the first time in history that we heard the phrase political killings and political violence, which 
is basically the understanding of um, an act of um, murder or an act of um, violence, which is not for ethical reasons, but later on down the line will have a political gain. Um, but how it ended was because, um, so I, I hope I still have people in this. feels a bit like drunk history having me. But yes, Richard III was killed um, and Henry VIII was declared uh, the king. And after his official coronation, he married Elizabeth of York um, and it kind of reconciled both the Lancaster family and the York family and begun uh, the Tudor era. But, but it's super interesting and it was a massive turning point because it was so confusing. Like, there was moments where it's documented that people, because there were so many wars and there were so many kings being killed, people did not know who the king was for, for about 10 years because it just kept on changing so quick. Um, and there was loads of artwork that came out of this war. So William Shakespeare was massively inspired of the War of the Roses um, because we had stories like Richard III, Henry VIII, and um, yeah, Titus Andronicus. And as well, I didn't know this, but um, Game of Thrones was massively inspired by, um, yeah, by War of the Roses too. Oh, I didn't clock that, actually. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. But why I love, uh, well, I don't love the War of the Roses, but <laughs> what is really exciting for me about War of the Roses is because it was the best place of the most powerful Queen of English history. And um, we remember the War of the Roses being led by King Henry VII, but actually, now that we've gone into history a little bit more, we realised that it was Queen Margaret, his wife, that was making all the political decisions. Um, and she was, like, I mean, so ruthless. Um, there's, like, a story in it where she'd captured um, she'd captured the king of the opposite side um, of York, and she asked her seven-year-old son how they should kill him. Um so she was like a massive inspiration of Queen of the Goths in Titus Andronicus. And she was just known to be this absolute ruthless, um, bad, badass woman. Um, but, but yeah, that's, that's a very short version of <laughs> The War of the Roses. I guess what I'm curious to talk about is every time I meet somebody from Yorkshire, they're always slagging off people from Lancashire. And every time I'm meeting people from Lancashire, they're always slagging off people from Yorkshire and it seems to me that even though this is a war we're talking like 600 years ago that there is still this bitterness that exists between Lancashire and Yorkshire and like obviously if there's like history of blood being spilt like that's the case but I mean we're not even talking like the residents of this area fighting this war we're talking like dukes who possibly didn't even really live in these areas and I'm just curious as to like why all this time later it's something that still seems to get people really riled up. Well, I think... Um, I think there's also a massive cultural divide. Um, I mean, I would never... Um, 
I also joke about Ward the Roses quite a lot with a few of my Yorkshire friends, but deep down, I, I very much respect Yorkshire. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's a T-shirt so, waiting to happen. <laughs> um, so I, I also think that it's a, it's a bit of a tongue-in-cheek. I think um, the North West just enjoy, um, <laughs> just enjoy taking the mick out of someone. And if it's not... Um, if it's not the South, then it will be um, Yorkshire. Is that the but, order it goes in? We make fun of the South and then we make fun of Yorkshire. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think it is this thing of, like, there's massive cultural differences, um, even though we're so similar and so close. Um, and I think politically, we've both left quite different ways and... Um, yeah, so so I think there's a few there's a few reasons why um, there sometimes is a divide. But now that I've moved to Scotland, if listen, I'll take anyone. <laughs> if um, even Midlands, I'm like, oh, I'm sure I've drove through the Midlands once. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, when the North and South agree to put aside their differences and start having a go at the Midlands. Um, there's another really big historical kind of milestone in the history of Lancashire being Lancashire, and that's the Industrial Revolution. Um, what was it, and what effect did it have on the communities that make up Lancashire today? Yeah, um, so I was taught so much about the Industrial Revolution. It was a massive... I mean, Preston and Lancashire have um, a lot of connections to um, to this time period. Um, but yet, when I was doing my research, I realised I actually did not understand quite a lot of um, the Industrial Revolution. But my understanding, and I will preference this to any of the listeners, I am not a historian. <laughs> Um, I don't know, I, you were throwing some serious War of the Roses dates around where I was like, I had no idea about any of those dates, so you're doing better than I am, that's for sure. Well, there you are. I am a good researcher, though. <laughs> <laughs> Aha! Uh, oh, full circle. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I will be, like, trying to retell what what my understanding of it is. So please do correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong. Um, but the revolution took place in 1750 and um, the 1900s and was a massive period of change in Great Britain. Um, basically, in the late 18th century, the invention of the steam engine powered uh, the Industrial Revolution and it brought massive, um, massive social changes um, for Great Britain and the rest of the world, really. And factory owners became even more wealthy. And many of the workers in these factories started to become a lot more poorer. Um, and basically, it was the understanding of, so cotton and um, fabric used to be made at home by one person, and um, factory owners were understanding that 
you know, that takes a lot of time and um, the pay was really good for that person who worked at home because they were the only person who had the skill base to do it. But if we made these machineries and had massive factories where women and children would work, um, you know, women and children might not have the understanding of what good pay is because of the lack of the education and we could make a lot more um, clothes and textiles for cheaper and quicker. Um, but this obviously birthed quite a socialistic change within these communities. Um, and yeah, there was a lot of, um, obviously a lot of the workers who were living in these um, poor and also dangerous um, conditions started to realize that um, this wasn't fair. Like you had children who were often working 12 to 14 hour shifts a day and they would have one day off. There was little safety equipment um, and were paid. They say it was the average of three shillings, which nowadays that is like 30p a week. Um, and obviously there was a lot of... Um, like violence and there were strict punishments. Um, there was a massive drive as well of when the factory owners would tell the upper classes about it, there was a drive of, you know, we're teaching these poor communities how to turn up to work on time, how to, you know, there was a, a massive, um, yeah, there was a massive understanding from the upper classes that it was going to benefit the um, people who were in poverty and was giving them life skills as well. Um, but yeah, through all of these uh, were starting to create unions um, where basically people were coming together and saying, I'm not sure this is fair. And um, the unions were aiming to improve the life of working class and, and poor citizens. Um, and because Lancashire had a lot of um, free land and also was quite a deprived area, loads of cotton mills were springing up everywhere. And even now, if you drive through Preston, you can see um, three abandoned cotton mills that are just standing there. Um, but yeah, and there's a really interesting connection between this as well, because Lancashire, like I said before, were known for their riots. Um, you had the power loom riot, and Preston also had um, a massive historical riot called the Preston Riot. Um, and, <laughs> and we even are named after it. <laughs> Very impressive. Um, but basically, there was a depression that fell in 1841, up to 1842 um, and it resulted to all of the workers in Preston and Lancashire being cut um, 25% so their 30p a week had now been cut by 20% and um, all of these local uh, Prestonians were like this can't happen anymore so they went round to all the different towns they went to Accrington, Burnley, Blackburn and got 30 um, no, they didn't get 30. They got 3,000 cotton workers and children to um, walk the streets of Preston. 
and um, it was meant to be this massive grand gesture. However, the mayor of Preston at the time had caught wind that this was going to happen, and instead of uh, reporting it to um, higher up in the in the chain, he decided to get 30 soldiers who were going to wait there with arms, and they were going to fire, um, which led to eight eight deaths of um, the cotton workers, oh, and gosh. this like shook the UK um, because it was like why uh, we have the right to strike, and 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 it almost proved there needs to be a stronger union. Um, but now, in if you go into Preston, there is a statue by a British artist called Gordon Young, um, and it is like a re reincarnation of that moment. Um, so you have the eight the eight men um, lined up with the eight soldiers. Um, and on the bottom of it, which kind of became Preston's trademark, um, for, for quite a long time, says, um, never without sacrifice have gains been made towards justice and democracy. Wow. So you can even see there, like, our long history is about that fight. Um, is about, yes, yeah, standing up for what you believe in and making sacrifices. So, yeah. It's, it's almost tragically beautiful. Like, it's that idea of kind of, having values and being willing to go that far in order to protect and defend those values. I don't know. Yeah, I got emotional hearing that story. <laughs> I'm sure listeners did as well. <laughs> and there's, there's tons of um, stories, and, and that's why I'm finding a lot more pride nowadays in Preston, because it's a community throughout the whole history where there's been a lot of sacrifice, there's been a lot of um, fighting to be fed. And still to this day, I feel a sense of Preston is still fighting and will still fight um, for, yeah, for just better, better conditions, really. Um, season five of Passport People, i.e. this one you're on, um, is the season of inspiration. So every guest that we've had on the podcast, including yourself, is somebody who, in one way or another, is out there in the world inspiring people. And I'm asking every one of my guests this season, who or what inspires you? Yes, yeah, so the most inspirational person to me would have to be my mum. Um, my mum has shaped so much of of who I am and even the work today. Um, so, I mean, there's so many stories that I can tell which are inspirational, but um, maybe just to give a short brief of her life, she is just someone who has been, been uh, tested quite a lot and has constantly found humour in it and conquered it. Um, so when she was younger... She had a bit of a rough time in education as well. Um, I think she's neurodiverse, but um, I will never know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, she had a rough time in education and she left education. And her, her mum, my grandma, uh, was a nurse. And my granddad was um, a, 
like therapists in a mental health institution. And they said to my mum, look, you're not in education anymore. You're going to have to um, come with us and work, work as a nurse in the mental institute. And my mum was like, I'm not too keen on that. Um, and one of her pals said, why don't you see if you can uh, join the police and you'll be paid a lot. Um, and back then, my family uh, did not. Uh, we, we have a massive uh, mining route in our family, and this was the 70s. Um, and my mum was like, oh, I don't think they're going to enjoy that. Um, but, it, but helping people is what I want to do. So every day she would get dressed up in her nurse's uniform and would say goodbye to my grandma and granddad and then go into the local post office and then get rechanged into her police uniform. No. And would go and um, try and see if she could pass all of these tests. And she did that for three years. <laughs> um, no. And, yeah. And the only reason that um, they found out that my mum was a police officer was when um, a, a family member of ours got into a bit of trouble and she was called to the scene. Um, and they had to be like, it's Cousin Jill. <laughs> but she ended up, um, she ended up, you know, she, she went to India and um, she, I think she had a moment in her life where she realised that um, it was a massive privilege that she was able to drop out of education and be okay and earn a living. Um, and she realized most women around the world didn't have the same opportunities. So she went to India and she was a police officer in uh, New Delhi for, for a really long time, uh, which is why I have the name Indra. Indra, yeah, wow. Yeah. So, so she has so many stories of being, of being, like absolutely incredible, and just, um, just, just living life and really seeing what she can do. And and she was, she never quite hears, no, you can't do that, Jill. <laughs> and if anything, that um, spares her on. <laughs> wow. Um, well, a lot of those traits were definitely passed down to you, Indra. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, what does the future hold for Lancashire? What's coming next? Yeah, um, the truth is, I, I'm not sure, but I'm really excited for the future of, of Lancashire and Preston. Um, and especially what we are seeing in those areas is again it is led by my generation it feels very current and very fresh right now and um that history of of speaking up and, and not being scared of consequences um preston had the biggest uh, black lives matter protest in in uh, the north no way which, yeah wow which was i i was really surprised by that um, especially with some of the political turns that we took recently. And nearly all of it was young people who said, we don't know how to start protest, but we're going to. Um, and yeah, 
there was some when I watched because I was in Glasgow when those protests happened when I saw um, all of this coming in on my Instagram and, and social media there was a real sense of like Preston is changing and I'm so proud that it's changing so quickly and is being led by young voices um, and yeah I mean of course there's massive work still to be done but um but it, it feels like that work is being doing in in any way. Um, and I talk quite a lot within my arts practice of um, making active change on any scale. And I, I can see that in in my home, in, in my roots. So I think the future is incredibly bright. And um, I hope that it, yeah, it feels a bit more connected. Um, I feel that anyway, when when I went down for Christmas, um, normally I'm a bit, I'm a bit, um, so I have normally brightly coloured hair and piercings and tattoos, and I'm normally a bit wary of how that's going to go down when I go back home, and this time, <laughs> everyone, <laughs> everyone around me had piercings and tattoos and coloured hair, so, so I really am feeling as well that, that change. Um, which is exciting. Wow. And um, are you going to move back to be part of that exciting, bold new future? Or would you move back? I think I would move back. I, I would love to be at a part of my career where I can go back and say, you know, um, this is the change that needs to happen and I can make it. Um, I think right now there are better people to make that change you know the community a little bit more than me um but but yeah I would move back um I would move back in a heartbeat um <laughs> I'm now like would I but I would I would <laughs> um and just like yeah. if you're in the greater Lancashire area please call me <laughs> call me if there's any work that needs to be done I'll do it um but I do really love Glasgow and I think it's because I see quite a lot of similarities between the north of England and the Scottish um, belief system. So, so I do really love Scotland. It would be hard to leave Scotland. <laughs> and finally, for um, those of us who will be making our way to Lancashire at some point in the near to slightly further future, what is the thing to do in Lancashire that is the sort of the real Lancashire experience to like properly understand everything that you've been talking about in today's podcast? Oh, so I would say, um, there's a park called Avonham Park where it's quite a big park. Actually, it's very close to Preston train station. So if ever you're in Preston and you're not sure what to do, um, and maybe you're waiting for a train that comes in an hour's time. <laughs> I would say go to the park because Avonham Park is massive, but it has like a Buddhist praying section and it has a meditation garden as well as like a community um, spray painting wall. And then it has like, you know, these all these beautiful carved um, nature statues. So you get to see within that one park, our culture is massive and very diverse. 
um and it's just a really beautiful a really beautiful walk um and i'm sure you'll get to see you'll get to see loads of different communities there as well so that's what i would say Avenham park and the harris museum um if you want to learn more about preston and lancashire um is like an interactive museum um yeah it's one of my favorite places to go amazing wow Okay, right, Indra, it's your time in the podcast where you get to plug all the cool, fun stuff you're doing that you want other people to know about. So, yes, I'm working for uh, Toonspeak right now, which is a performance um, performance um, collective, and it works within local communities. Right now, we're working in um, the community of Glasgow and... Yeah, there's going to be a performance on the 6th of August um, in Springburn Park. Um, and it will be kind of a collection of everything we'll be doing. Um, feel free to follow me on social media. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. That's... Amazing. And we'll leave uh, links back to everything mentioned there in the uh, podcast description. Uh, listeners, thank you so much for enjoying another episode of Passport People. Um, similarly, please head to our socials on the Facebook and the Gram. Uh, we are Island Life Productions on both of those. Um, and if you'd like to support the work we're doing, uh, consider heading to patreon.com slash Productions, where you can support the work we do for as little as £2 per month. Um, we also... <laughs> exciting new announcement siren um we are already beginning the thoughts and preparations around season six of passport people which in the same way that season five was the season of inspiration season six is going to be the season of the kindness of strangers where i will be interviewing 10 complete strangers to me on passport people so if you are a listener to passport people and you are keen to come on the show uh, but you've never met me or heard of me but you're in some part of the world that you'd really fancy talking about uh, please get in touch by emailing finn at islandlifeproductions.com uh, we will be back next week with a very special episode because it's the 50th full episode of Passport People and I of all people will be in the chair as the interviewee so uh, check back to see what kind of car crash that looks like in a week's time but until then from Indra and I goodbye You've been listening to Passport People. The music was by Harry Bongo, and the cover art was by Maya Pires. Learn more about us by visiting our Island Life Productions Facebook page, visiting our Patreon at patreon.com slash islandlifeproductions, or by visiting our website at islandlifeproductions.com. <laughs>